1: Hello, I'm Anne McElvoy, Head of Economist Radio. And this week, The Economist asks, what does Vladimir Putin want? We'll be talking to a renowned Russian journalist about Mr. Putin's intentions.
0: He's a very secretive person and that's very important to astonish people surrounding him.
1: His motivations.
0: He thinks he's not the aggressor. He thinks that he is under attack and he's trying hard to protect himself and protect Russia. And the secrets of his staying power. Loyalty is the most important criteria when somebody is appointed to any position.
1: My guest today is Mikhail Zigar. He was the founder and for five years the editor-in-chief of Doshd, an independent TV news channel that offered a rare alternative to official Kremlin narratives within Vladimir Putin's Russia. He left Doshd in 2015 and has written a book, All the Kremlin's Men, an exhaustive account of the penumbra of power that surrounds Putin the product of interviews both on and off the record with some of the most powerful people in Russia. Mikhail joins me now. Ty, Mikhail. So we're going to start in English with our central question. Vladimir Putin has been the rising force of 21st century politics in Russia, has a finger in, in many pies in global politics. But what does he actually offer and what does he want?
0: Actually, I think uh, during the last 16 years, of his presidency. He has changed a lot. During the, the first years, he was more pro-Western politician and he wanted to be treated as an equal partner. He wanted to make friends with uh, Tony Blair and George W. Bush. He, he wanted to be charming. He even asked the ex-secretary general of NATO, Lord Robertson, to invite Russia to NATO. Now he, uh, now he changed a lot and probably now he wants Russia to be like an empire, like a superpower, and he considers to be the most experienced and the most mighty politician in the world. Yeah, he probably wants to be treated like an emperor.
1: And you've observed him also at close quarters in the sometimes uncomfortable position of trying to run an independent TV news channel in Russia in the last few years. What do you think the secret is that has made him powerful and made him able to consolidate power?
0: That's the secret of Russian bureaucratic machine. All those people working for Russian government, for Russian state, that that army of Russian bureaucrats are willing to guess what their boss wants them to do. And they're trying to start implementing their decisions even before it um, uh, it was taken. So that that's a natural habit of Russian bureaucrats. To, but to... that's
1: true. And that was also true, I suppose, when I was covering Russia in the
0: 1990s. But something changed, didn't it, from
1: Boris Yeltsin? to Putin. Now, to some people, it's as simple as saying he's a KGB guy, he came through that machine, he was ambitious, a bit sidelined in the KGB, and he fought his way through and used the same techniques. But is that the whole answer to your mind?
0: Probably not. Uh, during the first term, he offered security and wealth in exchange for some political freedoms. And Russian society was happy with that high oil prices and new prosperity that, that has never been experienced before now the the situation changed. Now he is offering that feeling of national pride instead of some part of uh, previous wealth. And the feeling of national pride was missing, especially after the deep psychological trauma uh, felt by many Russians uh, in the beginning of 90s, after the collapse of Soviet Union, after that terrible economic crisis felt uh, during that decade, and feeling of humiliation that was felt by many Russians.
1: Tell me a bit about your own engagement with the Kremlin. This is a book that's full of lots of stories, some of them quite small, but often very telling about how the Kremlin operates. How much access were you able to get? I would have thought you'd been in quite an uncomfortable position running an independent TV news channel at a time when the grip on media was tightening.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, uh, I've never worked for any state uh, television or state newspaper. But I, I started writing the book in uh, 2007, when I worked for for, for, private, for the best Russian uh, newspaper, conversant. And that was my idea to explain what were the real reasons of what was happening. And I started collecting that off-the-record off the interviews with top Russian politicians, with people from uh, Putin's inner, Circle. Some people didn't want uh, to talk to me. Some people were persuaded by my mantra I was repeating uh, for for them that I'm trying to write not a biography of Putin. I'm trying to write an unbiased book that is probably f- could be useful f- for Russians who are going to live in 100 years. They won't know the motivations. They won't know what was inside the heads of today's people in Kremlin. And some sources of mine were persuaded by that.
1: Well, give us a picture, and you use an example or two from your book, if you like, of how that circle of power operates. Because the, the thesis, at least as, as I read it, was that this was now much less about a grand strategy for control the empire building, but much more about surviving moment to moment, a kind of court politics.
0: Exactly. And uh, sometimes people didn't know what direction they are going to. Probably one of the most important moments was the Orange Revolution in Ukraine. That was uh, 2004. 2004 when Putin supported Viktor Yanukovych, pro-Russian candidate for uh, for Ukrainian presidency. And that was exactly the same year when governance elections in Russia were cancelled. And that's why a lot of Russian politologists and political strategists went to Ukraine to earn money for, from that electoral campaign. And most of them worked for Yanukovych's camp. They were reporting to Putin that everything is uh, is under control, that Yanukovych was going to win. that That's OK, and certainly, no doubt, we're, uh, we are successful. And after it didn't happen, they couldn't tell that they've just stolen all the money. They couldn't uh, confess that uh, they were so ineffective and they underestimated the unpopularity of Viktor Yanukovych. So they explained that the enemy had invested much more. The West supported uh, Orange Revolution with its money, with its uh, technologies. And they explained that that's a part of uh, inter-Russian conspiracy.
1: And how has that circle changed? For the outsider reading your book, and I'm familiar with some of the names from my time in Russia, but they they changed quite a lot. And I think. Even some of them changed. Subsequently, Sergei Ivanov, the very powerful chief of staff, was dislodged from his job just a few months ago by Mr. Putin. And yet in your book, he's almost set up as the guy who really pulls the strings, who gets rid of all sidelines. Dmitry Medvedev, uh, who might have been a, a possible challenger as someone Mr. Putin had supported as prime minister. How do you make sense of all of this?
0: It's it's really very simple. Speaking about Sergey Ivanov psychologically, he was trying hard not to do anything during last four years. Uh, after he um, after he uh, didn't become uh, Putin's successor in two thousand and seven. He did his best not to make any new enemies, not to make any new mistakes. So that was his personal will to be relieved uh, out of uh, his position in Kremlin. And now he's the happiest man in Russia. He retains all of his privileges, his salary, his security guards, his um, residence. But his official position is assistant to president for ecologists. so he he's visiting national parks and um and seeing leopards he loves so much.
1: This is my kind of sacking. Let me just tell my employers that right now. If I have to go, that's the way I'd like to go with the with the leopards and the bodyguards. But if we look then to what this kind of core politics means more broadly, Mikhail, I mean, do you think, for instance, that the West's concerns about an expansionist Russia? Based to great extent on what's happened in Crimea and Ukraine, are correct. Do you think that Vladimir Putin would ever engage a full-scale war?
0: Certainly not. Putin is not ready for the war, and uh, he doesn't want a war. That's only war word of words that that is going on in Russia for for almost two years. Although he he thinks that that uh, he's not the aggressor. He thinks that he is under attack and he's uh, trying hard to protect himself and protect Russia. But that's more rhetorics than, than real desire to to start any warfare.
1: What comes across in the book is, is a quite closed circle, but with a lot of activity, quite feverish, lots of people challenging each other or goading each other sometimes. And you, you speak to uh, Quite a lot of people who have been involved in these, you might call them, intrigues or tensions within the, the Kremlin. Give me an example of that and why it matters.
0: The level of personal mutual distrust is always surprising because every every man and woman uh, who works in Kremlin knows for sure that uh, they are listened to and the transcripts of uh, their conversations can be read by putting himself the next day. And that's why most of them are very careful about what they say to whom and where. And loyalty is the most important criteria when somebody is appointed to any position. And everyone knows that if you've been loyal to Putin or to any other boss for all of your life, that won't guarantee that you cannot be blamed for treason any other day. Ex-president Medvedev always been uh, very loyal to President Putin and he proved that by resigning in uh, 2012. Uh, but even he was suspected to organizing or inspiring public protests in 2011 to 2012. And, Do you uh, believe
1: there's any truth in that?
0: No, uh, absolutely not. And
1: any way back for Medvedev?
0: Actually, Medvedev still believes that he's going to be the next. Because after he resigned, Putin promised him that now that's his term and that's Medvedev who is going to be the next president. So Nobody believes in that except for Medvedev himself. Do
1: you believe you've got your eye on the successor? If, you, if I asked you to name a couple of, of no. horses to back? No. Impossible uh, because, because so far because ahead.
0: that's so important for Putin to make surprises. He's very secretive person and that's very important to astonish uh, people surrounding him.
1: He's 64 now. Uh, how long do you think he will remain in charge?
0: Officially, he uh, his current term uh, expires in two years. And he, legally, he can be re-elected for one more 6 years term. So he can remain president until 2024. Gosh.
1: <laughs> you think that's likely to happen? If we that, get you back that, in 2024? can
0: That can happen, but... Um, it's sometimes very unexpected things happen. I suppose that he's going to, to run again in two years, for sure.
1: And what would it take, do you think, to dislodge him was it an opposition party or even a movement that wasn't necessarily seen as pro-liberal democracy, but some sort of movement that was not Putinism? Is that now possible?
0: No. There is just no sign of any threat to current political regime, and there is nobody who can lead any protest movement, and there is no atmosphere in the society. There is no political process. People are waiting for for something uh, to change. As for now, the majority of of Russian population are quite satisfied with the feeling of national pride, with uh, foreign policy, with Putin himself. And the economic crisis that, that has started is not that strong. It has not affected the everyday life.
1: And do you think that Putin and his allies worry about election results? We know they have a good deal of control over the elections, but the results for United Russia in the latest local elections were not particularly strong.
0: It has constitutional majority in the parliament. The latest result was really impressive, although there are suspicions that the latest Duma election was kind of rigged. But still, that was very good result. If the, the next election is going to be fair, Putin is going to win.
1: Mikhail Zigar, thank you, and Mikhail's book, All the Kremlin's Men, is out now. So what do you think of Vladimir Putin? Is he on thinner ice than he seems, or will he last as long as he wants? Let us know. We're on Twitter at Economist Radio, and you can send us your emails to radio at That's it from this week's Economist Asks. In London, this is The Economist.